Hello and welcome to the Generous June Daily Podcast, where we'll be exploring generosity together. Today's sermon is from Bishop Pete Wilcox of Sheffield. Well, uh, dear friends, um, 25 years ago, when I was a curate in the northeast of England, my wife Cathy and I once spent a day off in York, visiting the Minster and doing some window shopping. And we were exploring the city centre when we came across a pair of street performers. They were brilliant and had drawn quite a crowd with a skilful repertoire of juggling and fire eating and sword swallowing and monocycling and tightrope walking. And all the time they kept up a stream of hilarious banter. And along with everybody else in the crowd, Cathy and I really enjoyed watching them. And when they said that they were about to finish, along with everyone else, we let out a groan of, of disappointment. And to this day, I can remember what they said next. Ladies and gentlemen, they chorused, if you have enjoyed the show, we are sure that as we pass our hats around, you will demonstrate your appreciation in the time-honoured English manner by running away as fast as you can. It was a clever joke because it made us confront a reaction which we recognised in ourselves. Most of us probably did plan at that moment to slip quietly away, but they made it impossible for anyone to do that discreetly and made us all laugh at our inclination to do it. And in the process, I've no doubt, they increased their takings considerably. That inclination to evade appeals for money is as characteristic of church life as it is of street theatre. So when a preacher is basically making an appeal, it's almost inevitable that the congregation will become defensive. Most of us, faced with an appeal to our generosity, prefer to show our appreciation in the traditional English manner. But what I want to do for the next 10 minutes or so is spell out a different possibility, a vision of generosity that works for the Apostle Paul, looking at his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 9 and verses 6 to 15. I want to set out a vision of how and why Christian giving is cheerful. I want to say something, first of all, about the theological context for giving, and then something, secondly, about the practical consequences of giving. First of all, then, a bit of theology. I want to draw your attention to the vocabulary Paul uses to talk about giving. Even in English, the sorts of words in our epistle, the, the semantic range is quite striking. In Greek, it takes your breath away. You see, over the course of the past year of this pandemic, we've become accustomed to a particular vocabulary of finance, of furlough grants under the coronavirus job retention scheme, of sustainability grants, of coronavirus business interruption loan schemes, of financial fiscal stimulus. I confess I have only a hazy idea what some of those things are. In our house, we've been more concerned with words like credit card, overdraft, debt interest, unpaid bill and inland revenue. And none of those are very cuddly words. They're not feel-good words. They're not chuckle-raising words. But that brings me to our epistle. In 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, Paul is making a sustained appeal for cash. He wants the Corinthians to contribute to a collection he's taking up in the churches he's founded across the Mediterranean for the relief of those in need in Jerusalem. When Paul wants to write what you might call an appeal letter, what's his vocabulary? The thing is that he doesn't mention money once. And that isn't because he's being coy. He's not overcome with some acute English embarrassment about naming something grubby. 
his strategy is much more positive than that, and it's much more clearly theological. Even in an English translation, you can see it at once. The ten verses of our Bible reading are typical of the whole two chapters. He opts for the language of blessing, abundance, generosity, enrichment, thanksgiving, gift, ministry, sharing, grace and gospel. But in Greek, the terms are even more startling and include these three words, liturgy, Eucharist and communion. For the Apostle, that's the context of Christian giving. The context is not just income and expenditure, supply and demand, budget and audit. The context is worship. Christian giving is an expression of offering to God. It's a liturgias, a, a liturgy. That's the Greek word behind the English term rendering of this ministry in verse 12. Again, the context is grace. Christian giving is a response to what God has given to us, which means it's an eucharistian, a eucharist, that's the Greek word behind the English term thanksgiving, also in verse 12. And again, the context is fellowship. Christian giving is partnership in the giving of God himself. It's a koinonias, a communion. That's the Greek word behind the English term sharing in verse 13. For Paul, coughing up dosh is theologically too important, too central to the life of faith to be treated narrowly in terms of a financial vocabulary. Cheerful giving is not just possible, it's actually inevitable when it is set in the context of what at the end of our reading Paul calls God's indescribable gift, Jesus. So much for the context of our giving. Let me say a word secondly about the consequences of it. You see, Paul isn't just concerned to help the Corinthians reflect on where their giving comes from and what motivates it. He's also concerned to help them reflect on where it goes to, on the difference that it makes. And essentially, he says two things. There are two kinds of harvest here, he says. There's a harvest for you and a harvest for others. Twice in this passage, he uses the image of sowing and reaping. The first time at the beginning of our passage, he has in mind what generous giving does for the giver. If you sow meanly, he says, you'll reap meanly. If you sow lavishly, you'll reap lavishly. Jesus said something similar. The measure you, with which you give, he said, will be the measure with which you receive. For you, Paul says, your own generosity will rebound on you in a spiral of grace and blessing. If you are generous to others, God will be generous to you. And never forget, he has resources out of which to give, which make ours look paltry. God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance. And I have to say, that's been my experience. I have never managed to outgive God and I never will. When I've been at most my most generous, I've benefited most because I've been most blessed. Of course, this is not a neat promise of straightforwardly material blessing, a, a get-rich-quick scheme of the kind favoured in some parts of the church where a prosperity gospel is preached. Sometimes the blessings of God are material, but mostly it's an increased contentment that I've received, not an increased income, though that in itself is a gift beyond price. Have you noticed how often it's the most generous people you meet who are also the most contented and the meanest people you meet who are the least contented also? Later in the passage, Paul returns to the image of sowing and reaping, but this time his emphasis is on the harvest that accrues to others. Not only, he says, will you be enriched in every way by your own generosity, but there will be a double benefit to others as well. Not only will the practical needs of the saints be supplied, but in them 
an overflowing of thanksgiving will result, which will in itself be a thing of beauty and delight. Your generosity will make a material difference to the needs of others, first of all, but it will also, secondly, incite their gratitude. So, your thankfulness makes you generous, and your generosity makes others thankful, so that the whole cycle goes round again. Let me sum up and finish. One last Greek word in closing. Where our service sheet says, God loves a cheerful giver, the Greek adjective is hilaron. God loves a hilarious giver. God loves a giggling giver. Is that you, I wonder? During the course of this month, generous June, I want to encourage you, please, to consider your financial giving as a barometer of your faith and trust in God. Think of it as a liturgy, as an offering of your worship to God. Think of it as a Eucharist, a thankful response to the grace you've received from God. And think of it as a communion, a partnering in the work of God. And then, mindful of the harvest for you yourself and the harvest for others, let me encourage you to cough up voluntarily and cheerfully. And may the Lord bless you in your giving abundantly. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Generous June Daily Podcast. We hope to see you again tomorrow.